Well, good morning. It's so great to uh, be with you on your television screens or on your iPhone, wherever you are um, tuning in here this morning. I always wanted to be a television star ever since I was a young boy, and today I, uh, I get to be that television star. And so thank you uh, for making my dreams come true as you watch me on your TV or your computer or your wireless device. Definitely not um, what I was anticipating here this morning, um, but we are so glad uh, to be here and that we have this opportunity through technology uh, just to uh, share with you God's Word, uh, and I'm really excited to do that. So you may not have been expecting celebrating Palm Sunday uh, at home or in your living room or wherever you're at. I wasn't expecting um, preaching uh, to a camera and to my faithful audience of Glenn, Paul, and Jesse, but here we are, and it is a good thing, and we all have expectations, don't we? An expectation that is a, is a strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in the future. On Sundays, people expect to gather in a church building together to worship God. Uh, parents expect their children to obey what they've taught them. Um, students who study hard expect to get that good grade. Wives expect their husbands to hear everything that they say and everything that they don't say. Husbands expect, well, we just won't go there. Employers have expectations. Employees have uh, expectations. And you go to the grocery store and expect to get groceries. Eggs? Toilet paper? Well, our lives are filled with expectations. And why do we have them? Well, I think we have them because uh, there's some measure of control that we have in our lives. And with that control comes a belief that something is going to happen. We're created in God's image and we see that. And with that comes expectations that certain things may or may happen. Expectations reveal really what we believe to be true. Because uh, most of our expectations are rooted in what we think are true. We all have experienced, we all have changed expectations. We have experienced that. And so what are changed expectations and how we respond to them really reveals kind of where our heart is or where, what we're believing, the truth that we believe. And so this morning, I kind of want to talk about that and really kind of pose the questions, what are your expectations? What are your changed expectations revealing about what you think to be true? Now, we could get upset that we're not fulfilling our expectations. We could get upset that we're not here. We can get uh, angry at the person who's diving for the last roll of toilet paper at Walmart. We can be sad. We can feel anxious or worried. We can begin to just kind of throw in the towel. Oh, hey, you know what? I'll just not even expect anything anymore. And so wherever you're at this morning, I just want you to lay your expectations open. Release those expectations and allow God's word and his truth to figure out where we really find those expectations are rooted. So if you have your Bibles, you turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, if you are at home, you can grab a Bible. It will be on the screen. Um, but we're going to talk about triumphal expectations and the expectation of Jesus and the people there on that first introduction to Holy Week. And so as we turn there, let me just kind of explain something. Up until now, 
Jesus has been trying to keep quiet. Uh, He's trying not to rouse the crowds with his miracles and uh, his teaching. And and sometimes as you read the Gospels, you read those accounts of Jesus' miracles, sometimes Jesus tells people, hey, listen, don't tell anybody. Or he tries to slip away. He's trying to get out of the fact that uh, people, the word will spread about him and that will create a following. We see that when uh, Jesus first performs the miracle at, at Cana, at the wedding feast, turns the water into wine. And his mom says, hey, servant, whatever my son tells you to do, do it. And, he's, and he says, my hour has not yet come. And then we fast forward into his life and ministry, and then we see him healing the leper. And after he heals the leper and performs that miracle, he tells them in Matthew chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, see to it that you don't tell anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And, and I don't know about you, but when you've read those, have you ever wondered why he was doing that? Well, he was waiting for his time to come. One author puts it this way. When he healed, he told people not to say anything. When he confronted the demons who recognized him as the son of God, he told them to be quiet. That's because It wasn't time for him to declare himself as the Messiah. But on Palm Sunday, that time has come. And so this morning, we are going to look into that declaration. So in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, follow along with me as I read. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt, by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them and will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them and Jesus sat on them or Jesus sat on their coats. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them along the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed behind shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Then Jesus entered Jerusalem and the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let me pray as we begin our study in God's word this morning. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this magnificent account that Jesus comes to Jerusalem on a donkey, and and what that means, and what that signifies, and what that claims the truth of who Jesus is, and what he is going to do then, and what he has done now. Lord, and I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would allow us to see the truth that you want us to remember, and the truth that you want us to change our lives because of it. Thank you for your word. We ask that the Holy Spirit would convict our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And so now the time has come. Jesus is at the point in his ministry where he is ready to declare himself as the Messiah. Before he goes to the cross, he already raised Lazarus from the dead. And that actually kind of caused some ruffled feathers of the religious leaders. You see, from in John, they actually said, okay, so from that day on, referring to when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they made plans to put him to death. And so what Jesus does here is even further infuriates them and claims that he is the Messiah, the rightful king. He declares that in this magnificent account. And so how does he do this? How does he declare himself as the Messiah? By fulfilling prophecy. You see Matthew uh, quotes here the prophet Zechariah. Uh, verse 9, 9, so it's in Matthew chapter uh, 21, verses 5. And he's quoting Zechariah. And this is what Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. You see, Matthew wants us to know and wants his Jewish readers to know that Jesus, in his very act of riding a donkey, is fulfilling the prophecy of the coming Messiah and the coming King. It's so specific. You can't miss it. And Matthew records that they brought the donkey and the colt, and he rides upon the colt just as the prophet predicted he would. And you see, It's your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. You can't get any clearer than that. They would have known this prophecy. They were expecting the Messiah to come, the king to come to deliver them. And Jesus in this miraculous prophecy fulfilling act rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And why does he do this? Why does he ride on a donkey? Because he's bringing Peace, bringing peace. You see, they talk about in the prophecy, gentle and riding on a donkey. He comes gentle. See, this was in direct contrast to how kings or people in authority would come in. Actually, Pontius Pilate would have entered Jerusalem a couple of days earlier in a very different manner. He would have probably come on a horse, dressed in all his regalia, trailed by hundreds of Roman soldiers, and he came bringing authority to quiet or to make sure Jerusalem knows that during their festivals, there is authority and he is going to keep order. When a a conquering king entered the city, he came in on a horse with military might to show those people that he was in charge, and you either get on board or you pay the price. That's how kings typically came during conquest. But when kings came riding on donkeys, that signified bringing peace. Actually, Solomon in Second Kings, when he entered Jerusalem as king for his coronation, he rode on a donkey, signifying his reign of peace. Now, there is a clear difference between horses and donkeys. 
I don't know if you've had any experience with either one of those animals, but if you, uh, I just remember when I first stepped in front of a horse, they're, they're big animals. They are, they, they get some fear and trepidation. They are, they are big beasts that with one uh, misstep or with one uh, scared tactic, they could crush you. And so the fact that a horse himself carries that fear and trepidation and that, that humbling of those approaching it, even more so when someone rides on a beast, you're, you're looking at six feet in the air at least, and you've got someone towering over the people below. But if you've ever been close to a donkey, they're about waist height. They don't seem very intimidating. They often seem like they don't really care what you're doing as long as they can eat whatever they're eating and you know, they just tell you not to walk around the back of them for they'll, they'll kick you. But you, you kind of think of a donkey as more of a, a mild or a gentle animal. An animal that the Bible refers to as a beast of burden that carries bags and um, pulls a cart. Not a, a, a warrior horse that rides into battle. So the fact that he comes on a donkey is signifying that he's bringing peace with him and his rule. Now this is something that we must take note. And Jesus, although the people of Jerusalem were expecting him to bring peace from the Roman Empire, to bring peace from oppression, to bring peace from being treated like an inferior nation, ultimately Jesus came this time to bring us peace with God, to bring salvation since he is the Messiah, the King. Paul says it this way in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you ever not had peace with anyone? That feeling in the air, the desire to, to keep your distance, when you don't have peace with someone, you can feel it both internally and externally. And Jesus came to bring peace with God because those of us who do not know Christ, who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, are enemies with God. Paul goes on to say just in a couple more verses later that we are enemies of God. We were enemies of God. Those of us who are now still not at peace with God. See, sin, the stuff that we do that we're ashamed of, the stuff that we know within our soul that we shouldn't be doing, but we still do it anyway, the, the stuff that makes us sometimes lie awake at night, the stuff that, that keeps us up, the stuff that makes us feel that no one could ever really love us despite who we are, all of that is sin. It's, it's breaking rebellion against God and it's going against that, that conscious within us. And that is the, the inner peace that we don't feel because we're at peace with God. You see, Jesus came to bring peace. Not peace from rulers. Not peace from oppression. Not peace from slavery or injustice. 
He came to bring us peace with God. He came gentle. And that's the message of the gospel. And that's what he is setting himself up to do. Because in a couple of days later, he is going to go to that cross. He's going to give up his life. Lay it down. Absorb all of the, the sin and the wrath that God has against sin. Because God is holy. And he cannot stand sin. And he must pay for sin. And instead of us paying for our sin through death and eternal separation from him, he took that punishment that was on us and put it on Jesus. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, when he talks about the Messiah, he's giving the Messiah, he's giving us psalms and, and prophecies of that Messiah and, and Isaiah 53, verse 5, this is a, a prophecy that will be fulfilled. He says, but he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. That's, we've done things that aren't right. We do things that aren't right. We've broken God's law. We'll go astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of us all. See, Jesus came on a donkey, righteous, without sin, humble, knowing that God was going to raise him and glorify him and came on a donkey signifying that he was bringing peace. Not only was he that Messiah who brought peace, but he was the rightful king. Look at the people's response to him. Verses 8, it'll be on the screen here. A very large crowd spread their cloaks or coats on the road while others cut branches from the road, from the trees, and spread them on the road. This right here, taking off your coat, laying it on the road so that Jesus, King Jesus, on his donkey, could walk over your coat is an act of submission. They would have been familiar with this when Jehu was, was king of Israel, when he was crowned. And then branches, now you think about it, they're, they're cutting, they're pulling branches off the trees and laying them on the, on the road, and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, Hosanna, which means save. Save now to the son of David. Clearly, the kingly line of Israel that the Messiah would come from. The royal line. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us in the highest heaven. And they're shouting and they're responding to him as king. Branches symbolized peace in the Jewish nation. They were connected with prominent Jewish victories. In fact, the palm motifs were, were common on both Jewish coins and, and synagogue decoration. They would have known what palm branches were and they were laying them down, signifying peace. We go back and we see 
as Jesus entered Jerusalem. In verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Stirred. Now this word was like, they were moved. They were, the, the, one of the direct applications is mentally stimulated, like agitated, mentally agitated. Who is this? Who is this? That's riding on a donkey. That's, that's fulfilling this messianic prophecy. That's coming as king. Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. They were mentally engaged, asking, who is this who's coming as the Messiah, as the rightful king? See, Jesus declares that he is the Messiah, the rightful king. And they were expecting him to lead a revolt, kick out the Roman oppressors, take back the city, rise people to arms. That's what they were expecting of Jesus. And then as the events transpired that week, their expectations of who they thought Jesus was and what he was going to do didn't meet their cut, didn't meet. See, they had the truth, they had the assumption that the king was going to come back and free them from oppression, from Roman oppression, where the truth of the matter was that Jesus came to bring peace with God to free us from spiritual oppression. So I want you to ask to be stirred. Who is Jesus? Since Jesus declared himself and fulfilled the prophecy and came as the king, the rightful king, what does that demand of you? What does that demand of me? Would we shout Hosanna? Are we shouting, save us from our sin? Or are we shouting, save us from you fill in the blank? Save us from disease. Save us from viruses. Save us from poverty. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus declares that he is the Messiah, the rightful king. It's truth. He fulfilled the prophecy. This is the first of many prophecies that Jesus will be fulfilling this week. So what's God stirring in your heart? What are you mentally stirring about who Jesus is? Jesus is who he says he is. He fulfilled that prophecy. And as we will see this week, he proved himself to be the king and the conqueror of death. But what do we need to do in light of that truth? What do we need to adjust in light of that? I think we need to see Jesus as our Savior and our King and live differently. Maybe we hold those expectations loosely, willing for our King to adjust them. Maybe today you need to be stirred to finally see Jesus as the Messiah 
and as your Savior and accept his actions and the truth that we will celebrate and remember this week. Maybe you need peace with God. And if you can't honestly remember a time where you have, have been right with God in your heart and your soul, if you feel the weight and guilt of your sin, if you don't care about your eternal destiny, then Jesus is the Savior and he is offering peace. He's offering you peace today. Accept it. Jesus has brought us peace with God. For those of us who Jesus is our Savior, maybe we need to start living or living more that Jesus is our King. Maybe we need to be stirred to live in light of that. Maybe we need to start laying down things and submitting to his righteous and perfect rule in our life. You see, when we have our expectations, we're, we're in control, and those expectations come through the truth that we have control of over our lives. But the truth is that God is in control, and he is the king. And we must view our expectations as subservient to his. So what is God expecting of you, of those who are his children and his humble subjects? What is he asking you to do? It's fascinating that this week, leading up to the most significant week of the Christian faith, that he's just seemingly has put a lot of things on hold. He's given us a lot of time to think. A lot of time to, to see ourselves for who we really are. To see what we value, what we prioritize. The things that were in our lives that have been adjusted or taken away. When we go to the grocery store expecting to get food and there's none there. Expecting to be helped. I don't know what it, what it is that the expectations that you had that haven't accomplished because Christ had other expectations. And he has other expectations for us who live as his children. And there is a blessing and a joy of releasing those expectations and holding them loosely in case the Lord decides to change them. See, Jesus as he enters the city, Luke records his response here. That after Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, talking to Jerusalem and the Israelites, talking to us, but now it is hidden from your eyes. See, they missed it. They missed who Jesus declared himself to be and what that meant for them. I pray that we don't miss this, that we don't. But our king has come and already came as 
Messiah and as King and as Savior bringing us peace, riding on a donkey. And we look forward to when he comes again. John says in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus comes riding on a white horse. And again, this is prophecy and we long for when this becomes reality. John says in verse 11 of chapter 19, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepresses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Our Savior and our King will come again, is going to come again, and he's going to come on that white horse. And he will bring the peace and the freedom, and he will rule out of righteousness and justice. And so we could look forward to that. But until then, how do we need to live in light of the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and our rightful King. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this magnificent demonstration of Jesus fulfilling prophecy, declaring himself as the Messiah and the rightful King. And thank you that he came to bring us peace with you, Father. That all of the, the payment and the guilt, and the shame, and the wrath for sin that you laid on him. And thank you that he was willing to do that on our behalf. Thank you for this week. And as we spend time praying, and meditating, and reading, and focusing on this week, Lord, would you just ever confirm in our hearts the truth, and the gravity, and the magnificent sacrifice that Jesus demonstrated for us. Lord, I pray that if any are not experiencing your peace, peace from sin, inner peace that comes as a result, Lord, I ask that today that they would humbly bow and accept the gift of peace that Jesus provided. Lord, for those of us who have been saved. For those of us who see you as our Savior, Lord, I pray that we would see you more magnificent, more glorious, more righteous, more truthful, more loving and compassionate, and that we would submit to your rule in our lives. That we would change our expectations to align with your expectations and, and to hold our expectations loosely 
knowing that you are the true and righteous king and can change them as you wish. Lord, I pray that we would respond to those changes, those unmet expectations with the truth that you are good, you are loving, and that we would experience your rule in our lives and the blessing that comes for it. We thank you for Jesus, and we look forward to celebrating his death and resurrection this week. Thank you that he declared himself and fulfilled prophecy. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Just a reminder that we will be back here uh, live at wearehbc.com slash live tonight for our night of prayer. And uh, we trust that you would join us with that. And then next Friday and next Sunday as well as we look forward uh, and dive into um, Jesus' sacrifice for us, the perfect lamb to take away the sins of the world. Thank you for joining us and have a great afternoon.